Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi. I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to giving you scientific strategies to manage your mental health, boost your mood, and heal your mind. In today's episode, I interview my good friend and leading functional medicine practitioner, Dr. Will Cole, on reducing inflammation, the brain benefits of fasting, what adaptogens you should be having, the best supplements for brain health, what orthorexia is, and how to recognize and heal it, and so much more. Dr. Will Cole will also be a guest speaker at my 2020 Virtual Mental Health Summit, where he will be diving into some of these topics in even greater depth. For more information and to register for the event, just visit drleafconference.com. The link and details will also be in the show notes. One last thing, if you haven't done so already, I'd love it if you could take a few moments to rate and review this podcast and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, on to today's episode. Dr. Will Cole, my friend, it's so nice having you back again. I love talking to you. We always have such great conversations. Thank you. My goodness. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, that's amazing. Your your last podcast we did together was such a success. And we had so many friends saying, oh my gosh, that book. And here I've got the book, Inflammation Spectrum, your latest book. Love it. And this one, excellent. See, they're right next to me. We love them. And they're so helpful. My one friend was, I saw her like a few days after our last podcast. And she said, my gosh, that book helped me so much. So I just want to tell you, you're having a great impact. So thank you so much. And you've just written another book. Were you finishing it like me? We're both releasing the book next March. So you've been going through what I've been going through. We've been like, sharing our writing woes. <laughs> They're good. See, it's good woes, right? It's, it is good woes. It's those all night all nighters. I don't know if you also pull all nighters because of having your kids and working and sometimes it's the best downloads. Sometimes happen at night. I find that I find it so nice because there's no emails, there's no phone calls, there's no business demands and you can go in a little cocoon and then just write and it's so yeah I find that's the best time for me as well I love that well well we're going to talk about a lot of stuff first of all let's talk about a little bit about some of the nutritional things and then or do we want to start with what's going on in the world at the moment because I think that has such an impact on inflammation you you're an inflammation expert I mean you really understand this and I found from my recent clinical trials and you uh, being an advisor on that as well that when people are under toxic stress of whatever nature it does affect the cortisol which does affect a downstream effect on inflammation homocysteine putting a cardio at risk for cardiovascular 
issues. So I mean, that's just two of the, as we analyze our clinical trials now, it was significant relationship between them. So that just shows that when we can get empowerment, when we can become aware and we're in control and empowered, we can control our toxic stress. And then we see the homocysteine levels dropping and we see the cortisol changing and we see the whole downstream effect and we see the impact on telomeres lengthening again and so on. So just all the stuff that's going on from the pandemic to this racist stuff. And you and I have gone through a lot of stuff, even on our social media, where we have just done what we felt was the humane, what not felt, which we know is the humane thing, which is help the situation. This has gone on long enough, this, this racism issue. And we've got to do something about it. We've got to speak up against it. A lot of people have been very angry with you and I about that. <laughs> <laughs> We're fighting so, the good fight. I think it's good. If my thought is, you know, it's almost an honor if someone's going to unfollow me for for spreading compassion and understanding to another human being, then they're better off not following me on social media. That's the least I love of that. my worries, right? Yeah, and it's really sad. I think it really shows the state of of affairs where you can talk about compassion and understanding and really being introspective and what you can do to be part of the solution. And somehow, if that's offensive, I think that says more about what they need to work on and less about the post about compassion. But I think that, I, I, you know, it's you're absolutely right. I mean, what we're going through on a collective level and on a personal level is we have a lot of stress and trauma uh, that we have to deal with on many different levels. And that impacts our health and wellness. But yeah, I mean, what are you seeing online as far as talking about this stuff? Well, we've been pretty shocked. You know, we've been, it's been almost traumatic because as you said, we've done the most natural thing, which is you, as humans, we are wired for empathy. It's, it's our nature. We are empathic beings. And so obviously when we see something that's wrong, the natural reaction is to, hey, we've got to stop doing this. So that was our natural reaction to George Floyd and the whole that, and we're not going to stop, but we've got to start fighting racism and, and growing up in South Africa in a, in a very racist apartheid system where it was legalized apartheid is the word that separation so it was a legal it was a it was a, it was a policy it was legal and then it was changed when mandela came into power and and i worked in the apartheid in the transition area so i saw the effects firsthand of racism but it doesn't make me able to even understand what it feels to be black i have two black son-in-laws it still doesn't give me even the remotest understanding i can see the effects and the effects break my heart and that's why we made a decision as an organization and as just being humans to speak up and to encourage people to be aware because i know from my research that if you're not aware of a toxic thought, I've got a toxic tree here. If you're not aware of a toxic thought, you can't change it. And racism is a toxic thought. When anyone is made to be, that they're scared to drive and they can't drive around. They're scared to call someone to help them like a policeman because they might get shot. Where they immediately assume they've got to, one of the interviews I did was with a friend who's called Latanya. And she was told to take the la off her name in order to get a job because it's too black. I mean, this is not right. This is where the, the people are being shot in their bed. As humans, you cannot not speak up. And so it's not in, in our view, that is not creating division. That is creating awareness because we know scientifically, unless we are aware, we cannot change. If it's in just shoved down and we just carry on, that's not going to help. And part of the research I did years ago was looking at change in organizations. You get these little, in general, people, what happens is that people will change and then there's, then there's a, then they kind of drop back and then there's a bit of change and they drop back. So they, it does kind of, but it kind of is a flat line, a line that's going like this. But it's not until you're deliberately, consciously aware that this is wrong. We need to change it. And you keep it in conscious awareness for long enough to make the change that we will see the 35 to 75% changes to the 100% changes that are required. 
So we wanted to be part, our decision has been to be, uh, to help create an awareness. And we're doing a challenge, we're doing a challenge, we're doing these challenges to help people, we're doing what we can. So that's our take. I love that. Something that you mentioned, the emergency room analogy, I heard another connection between the the triggering that's going on amongst white people hearing about this stuff that we need to be facing is, you know, the the parable in the Bible talking about the prodigal son and that the father he saw his son that was that was hurting and in need and ran to him. And what did the other son do? This other son said, well, what about me? You know, basically he was saying all lives matter. And it's like, no, right now the son is hurting and coming and needs our help. And I think that that's I think that's the heart of God. Uh, and I think that's should be the heart of, mm. of each and every one of us is that we need to her- help those that are hurting and, and in need. Yeah, help of exactly that. It's the most logical thing. It doesn't mean you're ignoring the others. So yeah, that's so that goes without saying. So I think what you said in the beginning about if people are being offended or getting offended by us focusing on something, well then if they if compassion offends you, then as you say, it's better not to follow us. So you know, and that in itself is toxic. And you know, so we'd rather people not be toxic because toxicity causes brain damage and inflammation. So we'll talk to us about trauma and inflammation. And this is the, really the heart of your work and the heart of what I try to get, put out there that in the Western thought is that it's the separate thing, like mental health and physical health are two separate things. But it's this bi-directional relationship between our thoughts and emotions and our physiology, as you explore wonderfully in the research and actually show the science behind it, it's playing out in people's lives on a daily basis is that their thoughts and emotions, stressful life events, traumatic life events, just growing up in a certain society or on a personal level, maybe it's a stressful relationship, maybe it's a toxic work environment, I mean, whatever it is. This is external mental emotional stress is impacting their physiology. It is amplifying your body's sympathetic fight or flight state, and it's really impacting your body's adaptation to stress. So the main system that we're looking at here is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So the body is obviously wonderfully created and the body wants to create homeostasis or balance. So you have this brain adrenal communication line where cortisol is supposed to help your body regulate stress because cortisol Again, it's not inherently bad. God created it, but we want balanced circadian rhythm and this nice S-shaped curve of cortisol slightly higher in the morning to wake us up in the morning and then a nice S-shaped curve where cortisol is lower in the night. So serotonin can convert into melatonin and for you to get a nice restful sleep. But many people, because they're in this constant stressed state, whether they're micro stresses or they're in a full overtly stressful event, cortisol is not being able to be regulated properly because inflammation is out of control. So the cortisol is an immunosuppressant. It's it's an anti-inflammatory endogenously made by our body that the body wants to bring inflammation levels down to create balance and homeostasis. So this is really the state of a lot of people around the world right now, Mm -hmm. whether they know it or not. They are in a state of inflammation because of stress. And then the body's trying to mitigate that stress with its normal HPA axis or the brain adrenal axis, but it's unsustainable because you're constantly being chased by a tiger, even though there's no tiger. So this Mm -hmm. genetic epigenetic mismatch, meaning your body thinks there's something to be running from, but there's nothing to be running from. What needs to be run, you can't run away from something that's internal. So that's really the problem that's going on right now. 
Lately, I have been finding it hard to motivate myself to work out and be more active, especially as I work on finishing my new book on a tight deadline. But I recently discovered a hack that actually makes me excited to work out and go for long walks. So, what is it? Well, I love listening to audiobooks on Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information, from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books. All the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf. Try it free for seven days and save 25% of your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. So in other words, what we our body's working against us instead of for us. So it's got to work on cycles. So we've got to somehow try and get people to, by managing our mind, managing our diet, etc., we can then use cortisol, the cortisol HPA cycle to work for us. So because and cycles the key thing. So it's not supposed to be on all the time. It's supposed to more, be more like on, like a cycle and then stop and then start again. Isn't that that's how I understood it? Is that correct? So it's a, a cycle and then it stops and you have a break and then it starts again. But people are in this. Where it's just constantly running and there's no pauses between. Right. And it's it's that balance. And when you have mm-hmm. a lot, it's the Goldilocks principle, right? Not mm. too high, not too low, just right. Just like the, the children's porridge. <laughs> yeah, porridge. You don't want it always high. You don't want it always low. You mm. want it just right when you need it. So there's a place for cortisol uh, mm. and it's needed for many things like regulating yeah. inflammation. But the problem is I find that many people, they're stressed for so long mm. that you would expect on a lab, like when we run urine saliva test on patients and we're looking at cortisol rhythms throughout the day, you would expect to see this person really high cortisol because they're obviously stressed. They're, they're going through inflammation. You expect the body to try to bring the inflammation levels down through cortisol. Mm. But what you find is that you have really erratic, like a roller coaster cortisol or they've been stressed for so long, they have really low cortisol, meaning the body's not even able to even put out the effort anymore. It's just a more of a chronic form of an HPA axis issue. So what is commonly referred to as adrenal fatigue is what we're talking about. It's really a brain-based issue. It's the HPA axis that's the problem. So it's not the adrenal glands that, the, that are the issue, it's the brain. Mm, I'm so glad you said that because people talk about, oh, I've got adrenal burnout, but it's not the adrenal burnout. It's actually the HPA. So it's the hypothalamus, the hyperpituitary axis where there's that constant feedback loop going on, but it's not getting the, it's not getting the chance to have the pauses. So it's sending out too much of the, chem, of the, of the cortisol, the ACTH and CRH, CRF and all those things. Exactly. So all of when people are saying adrenal fatigue or they're burnt out, you're right, these words are thrown around flippantly. But the reality is, it's the heart of your work. It's the heart of really getting your brain healthy and built strong and, and balanced. 
Mm, that's so good. Okay, so Will, you are excellent at helping people. I've got the mind management, so you've got the, the food management because we have to get those, we have to feed the brain, we have to feed the body. So what can people do diet-wise? They can do the mind management, but what can they do food? Well, let's take out the word diet. It's got such negative connotations. Eating-wise, what can people do to food management? Food, meals as medicine. I love that. Beautiful. So every food we eat, we talked about this a little bit on last episode, but maybe we can we'll dig even deeper today. I but think so, yeah. Yeah, so food, every food we eat either feeds inflammation or fights it. So when we're talking about our stress response. If someone's stressed or anxious or dealing with trauma in any way, every food we eat is going to help move the needle in a right direction or some foods are going to move the needle in a wrong direction. So there's no, not going to be a benign Switzerland meal. It's going to serve or sabotage you in one way or the other. Some in negligible ways, but many foods are going to serve one camp or another pretty clearly. And that is the heart of what I talk about with my patients. And obviously, you know this, but my day job is consulting patients around the world via webcam, like we're talking right now, really give them a functional medicine perspective. Why do you feel the way that you do? Because I see so many people kept back from the things they're created for, the things they are passions for, things they are called for in their life, Mm -hmm. because they don't have balance in their life. They're they're struggling with inflammation. They're Mm -hmm. struggling with fatigue and anxiety and brain fog. And they think that it's it's normal. They think mm-hmm. their every day is, is, is just, they have to settle for it. But the reality, mm-hmm. these are things you can overcome and heal from, reverse, support. You have to see what you're up against to do something about it. So we can quantify that on labs and really see what are the things that are keeping them back. Mm-hmm. But foods are a major part of that. And Hippocrates, right, the father of modern mm-hmm. medicine, he said, let food be your medicine and medicine your food. Now research is catching up with that, that a lot of the foods that we eat really are driving inflammation. And we need to have less of those and we need to be focusing on foods that really calm inflammation and foods that build a healthy brain there's so much misinformation online Mm. that they don't know what they should do they're filled with stress and anxiety around all the conflicting information so i think part of my job is just to find out what's right for them and because we're all created differently What's needed for one person isn't necessarily need for the next person. So I think that food is medicine is important, but it's finding out what your body loves, which is also the second part of that story. I love that. So in other words, you're looking at the bio-individuality of the person. This is such a relief. I can feel myself just feeling relieved. And I know that a lot of the viewers and listeners as well, because it is, everyone is telling you to do something. And there's a million books out there. I mean, you know, the wellness space, we're both in it. It's overwhelming. It's like you almost need like a detox from the world of space because there's just so much information. So what it comes back to once again is the uniqueness. There's no cookie cutter approach because there's no, you started this this particular part of our conversation saying that some foods are pro-inflammatory and some are anti-inflammatory, but you didn't proceed to give a list of these are pro-inflammatory and those are anti-inflammatory because it's going to be different for everyone. So maybe strawberries are going to be inflammatory for me, but not for someone else and or whatever, or a vegan diet for someone and a, or a vegetarian or whatever it may be. It's going to be, is that what, is that correct? Am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. I think that there are some common foods that aren't good for anybody, but even those foods, we're all going to react to those inflammatory foods to various degrees. So for example, sugar, good example. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody should be eating sugar, but yeah. meaning that we should, it's going to create inflammation. It's going to disrupt the gut microbiome, but some people can handle a lot more sugar than other people. So it's not about just this is good or this is bad. It's like, well, okay, well, we know certain foods are not great, but 
some people can handle more of those foods and have negligible effects in their quality of life. So even that stuff, I t- mm. think it's important to bring context to this is like, yes, we know sugar is inflammatory. It disrupts the microbiome. But what's your tolerance? What's your sweet spot when it comes to something like sugar? And I think that's this is the question that I'm exploring with my patients. It's a question that I'm exploring in the inflammation spectrum, which is what the book's all about. It's really yes. finding bioindividuality. We know these foods are inflammatory. How do we find what your body loves? And God made us all different. And it's mm-hmm. that's just the uniqueness of you. I, I, the analogy that I like is like we're all part of this diamond, different faces of a diamond, mm. all reflect light in a different way, but we're all part of the same diamond. That applies to so many different levels of life, food being one of them. And it's easy to say, well, no, this is my experience. And this is my, and that, we can apply this to so many different levels oh, of society, mm. but it's, just because it's your experience doesn't mean it's someone else's. And that applies to big levels of society to just down to the food that you eat. We're all different, mm. different experiences. And we shouldn't think just because it worked for me, it's going to work for everybody. Or just because it worked for somebody else, it's going to work for you. Have that. That's so important. What you've just said is so important because we're definitely in an era where it's, if you don't eat this diet, you will die. And, you know, and if you're vegetarian or if you this or you mustn't eat meat, and it, it is, it's terribly confusing. And that's why in the, the food book, I mean, I don't have your expertise when it comes to food. I've kind of approached it more from a brain perspective. And sugar, I write a whole lot about modern American diet and processed sugar. I mean, that's not good for anyone. I mean, because that's not food. So my one rule for food is eat real food mindfully. And that's there's the philosoph- same philosophy as you. So when, when we talk about, when you say about sugar, some people can handle more than others. It's not the processed kind. <laughs> that, that's bad for everyone. Even the processed stuff, it's funny. You see some people, you're like, you're not even listening to what I'm telling you to do, but you run their labs and their labs aren't even that bad. So it's amazing how resilient wow. some people's bodies are, right? And it then you wonder... How if they were if they actually ate what I told them to eat, what they would be even be better. Like? Exactly, <laughs> they'd be flying. They'd be flying, and then what about when does it eventually catch up? Do you see that? So someone may for twenty years get away with eating the modern American diet, and then suddenly they in their forties or something, and they start developing hormonal issues. Or yeah, I agree. It's it's like a bad you know game of Russian roulette, right? It's like you don't, you're taking a chance in your biochemistry. The analogy that I I use. A lot is like, and we may have talked about this before, but a mug size, like some people have really big mugs, some people have small mugs. That's Mm -hmm. our genetic tolerance to stressors. And some people can eat poorly and be be living in a toxic environment and not sleeping well and really stressed out. And it's never the cups. It's going to take a lot for that that mug to overflow. Some people have small mugs and they just do a little bit. And that's a lot of my patients. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people with autoimmunity have smaller mugs. A lot of people with these reactions have fall- smaller mugs. And these are the genetic variants, and the, mm. the, we're all different. And I think that we can't change our mug size, but we can change what we put inside of it. And that's uh, what you talk about when I talk about. Oh, I love it. I love that analogy. That makes it so, so clear. Okay, so basically, one of the things that's very hot at the moment, and I know you're very keen on it because you do a lot of, you also very focused on ancient medicine and, and Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicines, fantastic stuff. Adaptogens. Talk about adaptogens. What are they? Where do we get them? Why are they good for us? I love adaptogens. So adaptogens are a really cool kingdom of plant medicines, earth medicines that are found on every continent. So in India, we have things like holy basil or tulsi or ashwagandha. In mm. like Northern Europe, there was things like rhodiola or Siberian ginseng. And you can go in South America, you can look at things like maca. So there are all around the world 
different plant or earth medicines have been used in traditional societies for a long time as ways to help bring balance to the body. Now science is catching up with ancient wisdom and and how the mechanisms at play here. And the adaptogens have an amazing ability to balance your body. So it's mainly brain-based balance. So when you're looking at the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, the brain adrenal axis, or the brain ovarian axis, or the brain thyroid axis, these brain-based endocrine problems, hormonal problems, the research is showing how these adaptogens Things like holy basil, things like ashwagandha, things Mm. like rhodiola, all these weird named things are Mm. herbs and plants. But research is saying, whoa, they have a very calming effect on the body. They balance these stress responses in the body. They kind of shift the body from the sympathetic fight or flight, always stressed out state to a parasympathetic resting, digesting, anti-inflammatory state. Mm. So, yeah, I I talked about them in ketotarian because I thought they were quite quite complementary to a mostly plant-based ketogenic way of eating. You can cook with them. You can use them and put them in smoothies and keto smoothies. You can put them in teas or elixirs. You can make them out of teas, make teas out of them. So I love adaptogens and they're, in my opinion, a great complement to supporting brain health. Mm, I love that. So they're easy, easily accessible and easy to use. And specifically adaptogenic mushrooms, when you look at the research that like things like chaga or lion's mane mm-hmm. and their ability to improve BDNF. Mm, that's so important. Talk about PD, BDNF. Tell, tell people. Brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's en- enabling your body. It's supporting your body's ability to make new neurons so it's really good and a heart of what you talk about yeah. is the research around neuroplasticity yeah the, the, these things these adaptogens really work upon your brain's neuroplasticity basically oh, that's wonderful so I, I just want to pick up what you're saying and kind of summarize it that we can do we, we need to prepare our bre- do preparation in preparation is our breathing and meditation and and all those i love the wim hof method by the way for that and also preparation is we have to prepare what we, we have to give ourselves good food for our brain. And adaptogens falls in that category along with a, diet, a healthy diet by individual, designed by individual, individual, focusing on your individuality. But adaptogens adds another layer where we can actually facilitate that neuroplasticity. So with your mind, you direct it, but you can create a, an environment in your brain with adaptogens that the neuroplasticity is more effective because when that BDNF is released, it will be released to neuroplasticity, but in, in, in the correct environment, it's going to be much, it's going to be accelerated. So you're enhancing the effect of BDNF and increasing it and making the process of thinking clearly and making good decisions and learning new ways of functioning and detoxing your brain so much more effective. So it's all, it's all working together. I love it. And I think what you brought up is a good point is that something that I say a lot is you can't supplement your way out of a poor diet. You also can't supplement your way out of a toxic mindset. So I think your five steps, you, this work you have to do, you can't just take a, an adaptogen tea and, and, and be in a toxic mindset and think you're going to undo that. So yeah. You still have to do the, the, the exercise. This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, my one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, healthy household products. From home and personal care to premium pantry staples, all in one place. I've been using Public Goods for months now and absolutely love their healthy pantry staples like organic pastas, soups and more. With the upcoming holidays, I know I will be doing a lot of cooking, baking and cleaning, so I've been stocking up on everything I need from Public Goods. 
I don't have to wait in line at stores and I end up saving so much money. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly and innovative products like sulfate-free shampoo, hand sanitizer and tree-free paper products. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals and the environment. Knowing what's in your products and where they come from is important. Small changes in the way we shop can make a big impact on personal health and the world at large. We worked out an exclusive deal just for cleaning up the Mental Mess podcast listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com forward slash Dr. Leaf or use the code Dr. Leaf at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash Dr. Leaf to receive $15 off your first order. And I love the way you say that because also people think, well, I'll do the breathing, which does, I mean, it does adrenaline resets and it does all this incredible stuff, but then you've still got to go through the rest of the day. So you have to be managing your mind. So we've got to always get these, get the, the, the two elements, the spirit, soul, or the spirit and the body, the mind and the body working together all the time. And that's why I like what you do because you always focus around that too, which is so amazing. Okay. So how can they help us with, in terms of mental health and physical health? You've given the basic, can you go a little bit deeper with the mental health and physical health? With adaptogens? Absolutely. So I find that a lot of people that uh, they've dealt with the food, they got the food down really well, their health's improved really dramatically, they've lowered inflammation, they worked on healing their gut and all the stuff that I talk about in the books and with my patients, but they haven't really dug into the mind work that that they need to do. So systems like yours, I think, are move them past that plateau because you can't just be divorced mm-hmm. and think it's just about your meals. It's not just mm-hmm. about what you're eating for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's about what you're serving your heart and your mind and your soul as well. Mm-hmm. So this stuff is all part of it. But things like adaptogens can be another tool to move the needle past that plateau and say, OK, I got the breakfast, lunch, and dinner down. But what are some other tools I can have in my toolbox that I think all of these work beautifully in synergy to support optimal wellness? Mm, I love that. It's like you you have the adaptogens in the decent diet and sort out the inflammation. It just makes you so much more resilient. So it's easier to do the mind work. And as you're doing the mind work, it's easier to do the body work. And so you can get increase your levels of, yeah, it's just working together, which is so important. What other minerals and supplements and herbs are you a big fan of and why? So I think that if you're talking about the core stuff, and I, I, we get asked a lot about this online where we, we say, well, if you're going to just take the basic stuff, what are some of the basic stuff we would mm. choose to take? So we released what's called the collection. And you can get these in other places so, as well. I'm not just talking yeah. mine, but these are some core stuff that we have in the collection. One is methylation support. You talk about oh, that's good. brain health. You have to talk about methylation yeah. from a functional medicine standpoint. Methylation is needed for a healthy brain. It's needed for healthy hormones, needs for healthy detox pathways. But it's this big, fancy biochemical superhighway 
that does a lot of really important things for our brain, our hormones, our immune system, and detox pathways, and the production of glutathione, which is your sort of master antioxidant. But methylated B vitamins are in the foods that we eat. So again, food comes first. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have genetic variants to things like MTHFR and COMT gene, the MTRR gene. These are gene variants that we look at in our patients to see some people, again, what's that mug size? Our patients oftentimes have these variants that shrink their mug a little bit, and we mm-hmm. want to give their body extra support to make sure that their mug is staying, staying empty. They're not overflowing with stress and inflammation and imbalance in their body. So for example, like MTHFR gene is a gene that makes an enzyme that converts folic acid into folate, which you need mm-hmm. as a methyl donor, a carbon hydrogen group to bring down homocysteine. Many people have higher homocysteine levels, that inflammatory marker, mm-hmm. and inflammation really impacts your brain health very negatively, and mm-hmm. it's associated with different autoimmune problems as well. And dementias and heart issues, yeah. Uh, right, exactly. So it increases blood-brain barrier permeability. It's associated with cardiovascular markers, and that's a marker that you look to. We want homocysteine in functional medicine to be under 7, but B mm-hmm. vitamins help to keep that in check and do a lot of other important things for our body as well. So B vitamins, I think vitamin D3 with the... Can I ask you a quickest question about the method? Not many people may know about what methylation is and how it's related to epigenetics. Can you explain that just a little bit? And it's in the B vitamin, so that makes... Because there's that great study with the agouti mice where it was really first discovered without, well, when it was really first put on the map, I should say, it was, wasn't the first time it was discovered. But can you explain that, just the importance of what methylation is actually doing on a genetic level as well? Absolutely. So the old view was that, you know, if my mom had something, if my dad had something, it was genetics was entirely, entirely the, the, your life. It was going to be, yeah, exactly. That we had no agency over our wellness. But the reality is that there are many studies or so anywhere between you know 68 to, to 91 percent, depending on the case you're looking at. The majority of how long or healthy healthy somebody lives is due to epigenetics, not genetics, or the choices that we make in our life. Those the foods we're not eating, or the foods we are eating, our stress levels, our exposure to toxins, our gut health, all mm-hmm. of these things, our sleep physical activity, all of these things are constantly and brilliantly dynamically instructing, influencing genetic expression. So the genetics is not this predestination. It's a light switch that's constantly Mm. being upregulated or downregulated through all of the choices you make every day. We all make every day. So this is really a message of of self-responsibility, of really freedom in many ways, that you don't have to be a statistic to maybe what your family has gone through. You wield, we wield a lot of influence. So this is really a message of hope, I think, for people. But anyways, methylation is needed for methylation is needed for the supporting of these really good genetics in our body because mm-hmm. the more and in many different ways it's doing this one is the keeping the inflammation levels down the other thing is that it's supporting glutathione production and it's keeping these good genes tr- turned on and it's keeping oh, yeah. the bad genes turned off. off yeah so that's in a nutshell why we need healthy methylation so important. yeah and I think it's been under, it's almost been underrated and now it's become much more, people are so much more aware of it. So that's part of the collection. That's one of the first things is to get the more methyl groups and you get that through the B vitamins. So you've got that in, okay. So methylfolate, methylcobalamin, these are B vitamins that help support methylation. Vitamin D3, K2, which is responsible for, vitamin D is responsible for over 2,000 different genetic pathways. Super important for your brain. 
very important for your immune system. It's almost like a, a, a hormone. We call it vitamin D, but it acts as almost a pro-hormone. Mm. Mm. Every cell of your body has a has a vitamin D receptor site. So it's equal to like the thyroid. I see that the thyroid hormone of vitamin D is like the queen and king of all hormones. And they, mm. they got so yes. much. So why, if your vitamin D is off is, and your thyroid hormone's off, it's going to really impact The king and that. queen of hormones. I love it. It's the king and queen vi- vitamin D. Okay. So that, no, that's so good. It really is a hormone. Exactly. And I, you can tell I think about these things too much where I make little characters out of... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The king and the queen. No, it makes it so much easier. You know, we've already got these images in our brain, so it's great. Okay, so that's the second one. So that's the... D3 and K2 is like the lesser known fat-soluble vitamin that you need. But it's yeah. it's honestly just as almost as important. Let's not say as important, but almost as important, very important as vitamin D3, K2. Now you can get K1 through eating green leafy vegetables because your body's going to take K1 and then ferment it in your gut because your body's brilliant and yeah. and then it converts K1 into K2. But many people have really disrupted gut microbiomes. They can't do it, yeah. They're not doing it very well. The bioavailability is pretty poor. So you want to give your body bioavailable K2 now, you can get that from things like organ meats, like beef liver, mm-hmm. things like ghee, clarified butter. Mm-hmm. You can get that thing from a plant-based source called natto. It's a fermented soybean. And there's other fermented foods that have it, too, because it's basically producing the K2 in its fermentation mm-hmm. in the food source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But most people aren't eating those foods in ample amounts. So mm-hmm. that's why supplementation is a good idea for most of us, unless you're really focusing on those food medicines every day. So that's another one. And then curcumin. Of- can I can I just under, uh, undergird what you've just said there? If you're not eating those sources of K2, you need to supplement with K2 because without K2, it's going to, your inflammation, it, it's basically your body can't run properly. You, you've got these, the body runs on a multitude of different things. And I think the whole supplement industry has confused everyone because they think, well, if I have lots of vitamin C, I'm not going to get a cold. Meanwhile, too much vitamin C can give you cancer. So, you know, it's a matter of having the basics. So I'm so glad that you have this collection of the basics that people can actually refer back to. And there's certain basics that you need in order for your body to, they work together in order for your body to function. Exactly. So it's, it's targeting, targeting specific deficiencies that are very common around the world because food should be primary, but these key things, because our food supply isn't what it once was. Yeah. We're not eating, the soil's depleted. We're not focusing on these nutrient dense foods. Even the best of us, even the most mm. focused on us, mm-hmm. uh, aren't eating these things every day. So it's good to give your body the, these common def- things that it's deficient in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that curcumin is a one way to keep inflammation levels balanced mm. and support healthy, balanced inflammation. Remember, inflammation is not inherently bad either. God created that too. It's just about yeah. having balanced inflammation. So your body, when it needs to fight off viruses or fight off bacteria, you want inflammation levels to come up, but you don't want it to stay up for too high, too long, just like that brain adrenal axis with cortisol. You don't want inflammation levels high. So turmeric... <laughs> It helps to balance that. I want to ask about, I love your analogy there because inflammation, everyone thinks inflammation because there's so much concept, there's so much talk around inflammation being bad and it causes diseases, which it does. But what hasn't been said is what you just said now, which is inflammation's good for us. It's like that uh, the old fashioned battles where they had the army tent. When the, it's, you, the, the wounded soldiers are brought to the army tents and it's up for a while, then they remove them, the tent comes down and they, 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 they healed again kind of thing, you know, that concept. So inflammation is a warning signal to the body to produce the same cells etc in the same way depression and anxiety are like 
are the same things. They, they actually good for us because they wake us up to something that's going on. And it's only when they become unmanaged that they become the issue. Same kind of philosophy. I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, it's really good. Like these things, uh, the analogy that I use there is a check engine light. Like the check engine light's on, on in the car. And that's how you see it. That's how we see it in functional medicine too, is that the anxiety and the depression is the check engine light. You mm, don't so the check engine light and say, see you in six months. You want to actually... What's underneath the hood that's going on there that yeah. needs to be dealt with? Check the engine. I love that. Yeah. Check the engine. That's so good. <laughs> I'm going to steal your analogy and give you credit. I promise I'll give you credit. <laughs> I don't need it. But we, you know, we keep talking about these things. But it's like, but honestly, you would all get a new mechanic if you yeah. took part of the mechanic and you just covered up the check engine light and said, see you in six months. Exactly. He's not fixing the problem. Well, exactly. many people aren't fixing the problem. They're just no. Kidding. They're just taking that toxic stuff and shoving it down. You know, they they just taking yeah, they, the food and not fixing it. Yeah, that's so good. So we talked about B vitamins, D, K two, and omega fish oil is another one for sure. Was there something after the K two? D three, K two, turmeric, turmeric. That's right, and then the omegas. Okay, omegas. Yeah, so you can get. Shorter chain omega fats from things like flaxseed oil or flax seeds or chia seeds or nuts and seeds, which is fine. You need those too. But again, the conversion is not great. So I would recommend you getting some long chain omega fats, which is in the form of fish oil, okay. or you could do krill oil. You could even do like an algae based oil, which is also going to be the longer chains too, but those are needed because that's the more bioavailable. So a lot of the things we get from foods have to be converted. So you want to have some of the other kinds, but you also want some of the bioavailable kinds. So just like I mentioned earlier with the conversion of K1 to K2, you also want to make sure that you're getting some of the bioavailable omega fats, again, getting them from your meals with wild yeah, fish yeah. or how, how many people are having regular omega wild fats. Wild fish, yeah. Not mm-hmm. very often. If you are, fantastic. You're going to need less of the supplementation. But if you're not having it regularly, then I would say consider finding a good pure omega fat, fish uh, fat uh, oil. Brilliant. Okay. Is that is that the main collection? This is the main. Yeah, I think I mentioned. I didn't mention probiotic, which probiotic okay. is needed because mm-hmm. it helps to really instruct for a healthy, balanced microbiome. And then pre- I would pre- s- prebiotics. Do we need prebiotics as well? Yeah, prebiotics. You're absolutely right. If you're and not eating. Plant foods. Plant foods have fiber, which pro- it's fiber is a prebiotic that provides food for your gut microbiome, all the trillions of bacteria in your gut. And we used, you know, the old saying, you are what you eat. That's partly mm-hmm. true, but it's more, you could say you are what your microbiome eats as well. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of both. So the microbiome instructs, we have about 100 trillion bacteria. To put that in perspective, we have, have about 10 trillion human cells. So mm-hmm. we are, are Unreal. About mm-hmm. 10 times more bacteria than human. And the microbiome, all these colonies are like neighborhoods mm-hmm. in this microbiome metropolis actually instruct brain function, this connection between our gut and brain, which we've talked about before, but the gut and yeah. brain are very much connected. It's your second brain. 95% of your serotonin is made in your gut, stored mm-hmm. in your gut. So mm-hmm. to, need, to have a healthy brain, you need to have a healthy gut. So probiotics are one way to help balance out for a healthy, balanced microbiome. Mm, that's really great. Now you have that collect. People can actually buy that from you on your website. They can get that collect that set that collection. They can get the set there, yeah, and they 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 can get it all there. They can get them individually or or collectively. Okay, and that's uh, you, you'll put your link in the in the show notes. But it's Dr. Will Cole. Yeah, okay. Dr. Will Cole.com. 
Okay, fantastic. That's wonderful. That's so that makes it so simple. And people can start then obviously then if they want to know if there's more that they're needing, they can consult, they can they can you do private consultations and you can then do all the lab work and they can really go into their get their health sorted out. That's amazing. Okay, so I just want to okay, I've got so many questions. Okay, how do we ensure that we are getting the best quality products and not just buying an expensive fad? I like it's a good question. <laughs> it's good. In many ways, you get what you pay for a lot of times with the supplement things is because you can get any old cheap thing that's mass produced, oftentimes coming from China, where it, it labor is really cheap and it's you're supporting just supporting the wrong thing there. Yeah. You're supporting not the wrong trade. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not fair trade in any way. And you can get cheap products with that. And not to say that always applies. There are exceptions to that. But just generally speaking, there we are really vetting and the labs that we use really vet quality and they triple test everything for purity mm-hmm. there and they will send it back. If they're getting raw materials that isn't good, they will send it back and all the scientists at the lab that we use they don't accept anything less than the best and they look at the here's a perfect example here is when you have blends of herbs or blends of nutrients Mm -hmm. and you have like this herb and this herb and this herb they're all grown and brought in at different dates you have Mm -hmm. to look at the date of all of them together because one's going to possibly expire quicker than the other so it's yeah you have to look at the potency and the effectiveness of it Mm. because i think that a lot of times you just have to go for reputable places i'm not saying Mm. because my main job is not supplements so if you don't you have to the lab that you go to or the company that you're using you have to make sure they're well respected they're doing third-party testing and they're really doing their due diligence to provide good quality things because there is a lot of stuff online amazon if you took any supplement it's pages on pages and pages oh it's crazy Uh, yeah so do your vetting and we've written over the years a lot of different companies that we love as well that are providing good things and people can get them online too As you may know, every year I host an end-of-the-year mental health summit. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm excited to announce we will be making this a virtual summit December 3rd through 6th. So, if you've always wanted to attend but couldn't due to flights or other commitments, now is the time. In this summit, you will learn simple, practical and scientific strategies to help you clean up your mental mess and live your healthiest and happiest life. This summit will also include guest speakers such as Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Will Cole, Dr. Nicola Perra, Dr. Henry Cloud and celebrity Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. We will have sessions on how to overcome trauma, what to eat and do for optimal brain health, how to deal with toxic words and people, how to set boundaries, how to use my five steps to detox your brain, and so much more. We will also be offering CMEs and CEUs. Registration is now open and we are offering a special early bird discount just till October 15. Your registration includes access to all sessions, discounts on online products, recordings of all sessions after the event and special downloads and workbooks. Register now at drleafconference.com. The link and more details will be in the show notes. 
you've written about that in your blogs and on your website and everything. And you're a regular contributor to our, your blogs. You write blogs for us on a regular basis and they're, they're great. So you've got a lot of information in them. Now, that's excellent. Okay, so you're a leading voice in the wellness, the, the, the whole wellness community. I mean, you really are a big, big one. And you've come into contact with so many people, maybe even patients that struggle with orthorexia. So not the anorexia, the orthorexia. And this is becoming more and more spoken about. And, you know, when I've put a post about orthorexia or bring it up, people, a lot of people say that they've never even heard of it before. And so coming from that angle of being an expert in and a huge voice in the wellness space, what's going on with orthorexia? Because it seems to be on the rise and it's kind of almost tipped the balance in the wrong direction. It has. And I've had the, thank you for giving me the chance to talk about this on your blog too. I wrote an article for people that yes, want to go back. so good. Yeah. It's on your blog. But orthorexia is disordered eating and eating disorder around healthy eating. And, you know, I'm very conscious of the fact that when I'm talking about these healthy things, that there's going to be some people that they don't have the vessel to contain the information that we've been talking about. So all of this has to be predicated upon a grace and a lightness to really say not about stressing or shaming mm. or obsessing mm. your way into wellness. You cannot mm. stress and obsess your way into wellness. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's antithetical to wellness. So you have to only you progress and lean into these things with the capacity where you're at at this point in your journey. Because even if you're leaning into something, even if it's incremental, as long as you're progressing over time, I find that the more you feel healthy the more you work on your mind health and your brain health, the more, that you, more you're looking at these food medicines, the more you've lowered your inflammation, worked on your gut health, your vessel expands and you can, you can contain more information. So I would say start off low and slow and don't mm-hmm. feel like you have to be perfect and solve all the world's problems with, with your breakfast, lunch and dinner and wellness yeah, yeah. overnight because it's you just have to start making incremental changes. And I think that that's a really important thing to talk about because orthorexia is a eating disorder around healthy eating where you see a lot of people have an eating disorder disguised as a wellness practice where they mm. think they're such obsessed about hyper-focused and all these things that it's it's a good thing really used for bad purposes. It's a good thing mm. used for really destructive purposes. Mm. So you cannot do that. There cannot be a, a sense of abuse when you're talking about things like wellness and food and dieting and things like that. So when, um, for example, if I'm talking about intermittent fasting, intermittent mm. fasting is an amazing tool, but it can also be for somebody that has the sort of uh, unhealthy relationship with food or unhealthy relationship with their body or themselves they can really use intermittent fasting and abuse that. Same with any other anything else in wellness. Mm-hmm. They could abuse any way of eating. So all of this has to be talked about because that's not what we want in wellness. We don't want that's not what we're advocating, but it needs to be discussed about because there's a certain mm-hmm. sect of people that are listening to this conversation. There's a certain sect of people that are reading our books or doing these things we're talking about on podcasts, and they're using it in a way that we are not advocating for it. So there has mm-hmm. to be a sense of grace and lightness with this. Say, whoa, look, look at all the amazing things that I can do, Mm. serve my body. But once you take this tool and you find that you're abusing this tool or you're using it in a way that isn't serving you, but it's actually an unintentional saboteur, that's you need to drop it and really have a a reckoning on why you're doing what you're doing. So that's what orthorexia about. I wrote about and as well. It's an important topic for people to learn about. 
It definitely is. Okay, well, will you, with all these some basic warning signs that someone who's listening now might be thinking, hey, you know, because this is that sort of implicit and unconscious memory. So underlying it, there's this issue, I have a bad body image and or someone said I'm fat or and now there's a good excuse here to actually go crazy on keto and go crazy on exercise and intermittent fasting, which is the orthorexia component. What are some warning signals that people can actually identify in themselves or maybe in a loved one? And, and what can you do about it? Two sides of this, because I find that a lot of my patients don't ha- inherently have, meaning they don't come with orthorexia, but the orthorexia is born out of their autoimmunity, which is a different phenomenon that I don't, a lot, not a lot of people have even been discussing about it. But because I'm mm. consulting people, I'm seeing this where they wow. have these flares from foods, like a food caused a physiological yeah, flare. Yeah, yeah. And then the trauma of that food reaction, they're just so afraid of having that flare again that it's created this orthorexia mm. of ever wanting that to happen again. So mm-hmm. that's different side of orthorexia than people with disordered eating that get orthorexia. There's a lot of people that have real problems with foods, but that trauma, food trauma created the orthorexia. So the, the symptoms can look like okay. they that's are... Very good stress and anxiety around eating they are so fearful of foods they feel like food is their enemy that they're mm. eating like three or four foods because all the other foods they mm. either think are causing them reactions or are causing them reactions or it did in the past and they don't want to go back to that and i the other things are is if you judge somebody for eating a certain way you feel like you're better than them or you're you know secretly judging them for unhealthy eating and you just think your diet is so much superior that could be a sign of of orthorexia if you feel isolated from people you can't go out and hang with your friends because you just are too worried about what they're going to be having or the food choices in the restaurants it's that could be another sign of it too all of this has to be put into context because there's exceptions to what I have just said. But the, these are some signs, and I gave the full list in the article on yeah, your we website did. too. It's very, very clear. I just I'm so glad we discussed this because it is such a significant and relevant thing. And and I think I'm so glad you brought up the fact that there's certain people that have such major trauma around eating that they've they've become almost obsessed with eating healthy because of that pain. And that's a whole different picture to someone who has a genuine body image issue. You know, it's two different things. So it's to be able to distinguish. So it's, so I'm also hearing you say that it's any kind of extreme behavior. So if you like don't want to ever go out for meals with your friends or you can't even you can't relax around food, maybe you should start looking at just, you know, so, because that's not healthy in itself. It's also that in itself is pro-inflammatory and it's a toxic sort as well, where it needs to be brought under control. So that's where the mind and the body just constantly are working together. Gosh, well, our time goes so quickly. Every time we talk, there's always such a such a lot I want to say. And there's there's let's just let's just quickly wrap up with with the last question here. You've interviewed some of the top people in health and wellness and what are some of the most interesting things that you've learned or key takeaways that have really resonated with you lately and maybe it's because i've been working on this third book right now i'm excited we're releasing our books together at the same time yeah stay tuned for 2021 early early 2021 but i've been really fascinated about the research around autophagy which it's breaking that word down autophagy it's self-eating it's all your healthy cells gobbling up all the dysfunctional cells so i'm very fascinated about our body's ability to have this inherent recycling system mm-hmm. and 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 specifically how it applies to the brain i, I think it's really so quite profound that yeah. we used to think in the west that the brain was immune privileged that that there is no such thing as inflammation in the brain 
Meanwhile, it has its own immune system, the brain. <laughs> exactly. So the microglial cells are one of the mo most fascinating. The fact that you have this immune system imbalance, it cleans up the brain and prunes it up and makes it all yeah. nice and healthy. But microglial cells out of balance ravages neuroinflammation. So autophagy helps to really repair brain inflammation. So I'm fascinated around the science of fasting and the ketogenic diet and the way that you can use these tools to improve our brain. Oh, I love that. That's fascinating. And that's that's such an important principle that the, in terms of, of, of brain health. I mean, it's fascinating and so interesting because autophagy is a very real thing. I mean, this is what happens. Our brain is naturally cleaning up. That's why we sleep at night. It's regenerating. And, you know, even, Will, I don't know if you're aware of this, but even when we don't learn new information, we build up because you, you basically get new brain cells, as you know, every morning, but you're also growing new brain cells all the time and you're growing branches. So if you don't use that properly by also constructive learning, it creates damage in your brain and it also impacts on the autophagy in the brain, which can lead to anxiety. So it's just so interesting how this stuff is all linked. Yeah, no, it's so cool. It's so it's so interesting. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait for us to talk again. We always have such great conversations. And where can people get hold of you very quickly, your links, and we'll put that in the show notes. Everything's at drwillcole.com as D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. We offer a free webcam or health evaluation if people want to see the things we're talking about on today's show. Like it, what's a functional medicine perspective on that case? And they, there's links to the books and all of that stuff. That's amazing. There. And these are the books that are really fantastic that our family love. And then I have this book, Think and Eat Yourself Smart, which really goes into the brain health of the brain connection behind it. So it's a great combination for working through your mind-brain connection. So, Will, thank you so much. It's been amazing chatting again, and I look forward to speaking soon. Yes, talk soon. Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then... I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.